I'm Andrew Zaki. This is the From the Pews podcast, where we have conversations about truth, culture, love, and power from a Christian perspective. The following is a conversation with Father David Hanna, priest at St. Mary's Coptic Orthodox Church in Chicago. Addis, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andrew? Christos Anesti. Alithos Anesti, Alithos Anesti. Um, you get that title now because you went to Jerusalem, right? Maddis. Maddis? Is that what they call people? That's go what to they the... call people that go to Jerusalem. I actually really don't like that, to be honest. You don't like that that term? Yeah, I really don't. Because... Uh... Well, what does it mean for someone who doesn't speak Arabic? Madness is like you've become holy, you know, because you uh -huh. visited the holy land. So now you've become holy. And so actually, I didn't know that that was something that you said to people that like that that visited the holy land until I got back and everyone was like, yeah, madness, yeah, madness, yeah, madness. And I was like, yeah. what does this mean? Like, and actually, I don't like it at all. It's actually kind of silly, to be honest. What, what, what don't you like about it? um holiness is not a function of the places that you visit right right even if you visit the most holy places that doesn't make you holy yeah and so this like concept of like of kind of it it, I, it seems like we borrowed this kind of idea of like you know pilgrimage is an essential quality of some other right religions and it is not one of christianity you could go to any place that doesn't is not going to affect your salvation or make you holy so right um, and then jesus talks about that very right? like bothersome actually yeah uh yeah i know the the muslims i think when they go to what is it mecca they so call they have themselves Hajj, they have pilgrimage Hajj, uh, and i think the jews also pilgrimage yeah or i don't know if it's a, considered a pilgrimage but it's like very very like a rite of passage for young Jewish people in America to go to go to Israel. Yeah. Um, okay, so you didn't come back any holier. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a failed trip or what? You saw all those holy sites? Um, no, it was a great trip. Um, I really enjoyed seeing a lot of the holy sites, and I think um, the trip was very beneficial. To, to bring the Bible to life, like to see the settings, like we mm -hmm. went to the Sea of Galilee. So we saw where Jesus called on his disciples. We were on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, we went to like the mountain where the Lord gave the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we went to the Mountain of Transfiguration. We went to the places where St. Mary was born. We went to the Nativity. We went to the places of like uh, St. John the Baptist, where his family was. 
so it was it was an amazing experience to to see all of those things and mm -hmm. to to have like a personal connection to to each of the sites and right um, did you walk in the the river where uh, saint john the baptizer baptized christ isn't that yeah something? the jordan river actually jordan. we we kind of we dipped our hands in it the jordan river is like very murky water oh uh, really it's so murky it's, uh, <laughs> a little sketchy to know was in there <laughs> it's uh there was a ton of people there i think um when we were there there was probably i want to say no less than maybe a few thousand nigerians there the jordan like, river it seemed like the whole country was on pilgrimage to like uh to the mm. Jordan River, and so the place was crowded, 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 and so we barely we got down. We stood near the Jordan River. We dipped our hands. We sang a few hymns, um, mm -hmm. you know, like in each place that we would visit, we would sing a few hymns of like the place. So we sung the hymns of the Theophany, um, and and so and we took the blessing of the water, and then we dipped. <laughs> and you dipped, yeah. <laughs> literally and figuratively. Uh -huh. Yes um well so what was like a highlight for you of the trip and were you journaling the whole time like i i, I was not you, journaling you the whole time realizing the trip i um thankfully a lot of the youth that were with me on the tri trip they are you know instagram kings so they were <laughs> taking every place we would go they would document with like video instagrams and so we have mm -hmm. those collections and every place we would go we were a group of like 15 or so and so uh and we sh we have a shared album together and so we mm -hmm. have pictures of every place so we have pretty good like documentation of every place i think one place that really touched me was the house of caiaphas so and that's where the lord was taken right after the the last supper so his first trial and that's where he was under arrest and they showed us the pit that the lord was like placed in and in the pit um it was it was very like um comforting we started to read the psalm and uh, the psalm that that relates to the pit i believe is psalm 88 we might i might have to i might be wrong on that so we might have to, to check <laughs> check that uh, uh -huh. here one second we'll, we'll have the fact checkers uh, check that in a bit yeah and so we were in the pit so maybe let me say that part again so just in case you want to cut that or... no I'm, I'm not editing <laughs> oh just... we're not at oh, oh nice. yeah, but i don't have a whole team to do edits go on oh my bad <laughs> no no you're good you're good um or yeah you're... so we got into the pit and then mm -hmm. we like uh, we we read that psalm and that psalm like all the all the like imagery of being in a pit and and looking up and enemies hating me and all of that like it brought the place to life you know mm. so when we prayed the psalms it's not just like words out of like thin air no these are like actual like experiences that tie to like physical like places that tie to occurrences like mm -hmm. it was as if we were in the prison with the lord jesus christ 
So I thought that was very beautiful how like the Igbeya, the Psalms bring the life of Christ like to our senses. Right. How, how does someone who isn't able to go to Jerusalem and visit all these sites, because I do agree, it does really bring the gospel and the life of Christ to life to be able to see, smell, touch these places. How can we do that from Los Angeles or Houston or wherever someone is? So we prayed that we had the blessing to pray a few liturgies in some of the like holiest places in, in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when we were praying the liturgies of these holy places, I was like, I miss my altar in Chicago. Mm. Like, like there it was so crowded, so, so crowded. There's distractions in every place. There's like other churches. You can hear the other churches chants. There's distractions from every location. There's no microphone system. There's no words. There's no, there's different languages. So it was, um, in terms of liturgy, the whole liturgy, like, I was thinking, like, we're so blessed to have, like, a peaceful and quiet church and the ability mm-hmm. to, to pray in, in, in serenity. And, and I think the beauty of our church is that every altar is the heavenly Jerusalem. Mm. And we call them like the altar, the heavenly Jerusalem. So you don't need to go to Jerusalem to experience any of these things. We have the Feast of Theophany. You're at the Jordan River. In the Feast of the Nativity, you're at Bethlehem. In the Feast of the Resurrection, you are at the tomb. We have the Tempsaleia. We have the reenactment. You are there at the tomb, at the Holy Sepulchre. So I feel you do not need to, to have this trip. We're so blessed to have a church that like Christ truly is in our midst and we are living with Christ through all the church feasts and through, and through the life of the saints. And so um, like going to Jerusalem is just kind of like a cherry on top. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that that's beautiful. But I, I really like that. I have to ask, I, I, mean, I don't want to change this, make it political, but I have to ask um, is, is Pope Shenouda's kind of ban that he had on, on cops going to, Jerusalem still in effect and uh if it is or when will you be excommunicated (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have been able to do the trip if uh it was in effect I think that uh that uh papal my decree or declaration um is no longer in in effect so we were able to go we met with his eminence metropolitan Antonius and he was gracious enough to host us and to share a spiritual word with us. So it was very nice. So okay. we were accepted. We prayed liturgies and and cops from everywhere are able to go to the Holy Land mm-hmm. now. Um, I've heard from some cops, uh, friends, family, and obviously non-cops, people who are not, not Jewish, that they've faced kind of discrimination Um prejudice kind of when they're in Jerusalem, everything from, you know, you know, deplaning uh, all the way till try to trying to visit the holy sites and kind of being obstructed and things like that. Did you experience that? And do you have any thoughts on that generally? The, um, right when we landed in, in Israel in Tel Aviv, uh, we went to the passport control office 
Mm -hmm. I like handed the gentleman my passport. He literally, he looked at me, he did one of these, like, <laughs> and then he just pointed to the, like, like, go sit down in the, like, for questioning. So, the interrogation oh, room. So, like, not one word. He just I literally handed my passport. <laughs> like, not even, one, why are you like, here? <laughs> like, one eye check and, like, and, and then interrogation. And, and it wasn't just me, so... It was like uh, half of our group. I think we were like eight people that were held for questioning. Mm. And um, we were held for about two hours. Um, and then after like an hour or two, they took us and like took me into a room because I was the leader of the group. And they just asked a very like very basic questions. Who organized your trip? How long are you staying? What do you want to see? What do you like hope to like? Why are you here? Who? what it's your nationality, like all the basic inter interrogation questions. Mm -hmm. um, there was a little, like a couple, like one or two, like rude remark. I think they were trying to get under my skin, you know, to try to elicit a response or something. But I just rolled with it and then they yeah. let us go. So it wasn't like terrible. They didn't do anything to us. They just were mm -hmm. um, like just a little annoying. But other than that, it was it was fine. Okay. Um, in terms of like the other like discrimination in the country and and we definitely saw some of like some of that but for our group we were we were good mm -hmm. we didn't experience it firsthand but you could definitely see the distinctions and um, in society and yeah any comments on that you don't have to but <laughs> um I do think that um, the what we hear in the media is definitely not what we see what you see on the ground. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of like Israeli settlements um, in different places, there's many more settlements in places that there shouldn't be settlements. And there's expansion in, in places that there shouldn't be expansion. Mm -hmm. And so that was like troubling to see. And also yeah. the hindrances of like Palestinians, like to travel to certain locations, like they don't have the same freedoms to move about the, the country in the same way as like, um, like Jews are. And so that's a little like it, it makes it very difficult even just to cross borders from here to here. And and I'm talking about a border is like a separation wall, you know. Um, yeah. So it makes life very difficult for the Palestinians. Yeah, certainly. I don't think the media coverage in America is showing the full picture, but. Um, in Egypt, I'm sure, and we don't have to get into this, I think they get probably the other side of the bias, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, are, are we too hard on the Jews uh, during Holy Week, these expositions? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I've, I, I ask because I know of a couple priests that skip a skip some expositions during holy week actually this year i came to the complete opposite conclusion mm. 
I think the wording is a little harsh, but if you think about the idea that the Messiah came for the Jews and the Jews did not accept, he came to his own, but his own did not accept them. Mm -hmm. What the, the exposition is saying is like, how blind are you? That Like, you had all the prophets, you had every reason, you should be the first to believe in him. And yet, you're, you, you didn't believe. And so I think the expositions, although I do think the language is, is, is very difficult, I do think it is to send us a message about how foolish is the one who rejects Christ. And that's true of the Jew, is true of anyone who rejects Christ, is, 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 is foolish. Yeah. And so I think uh, especially in the time of like Holy Week, I mean, if you think about like what Holy Week is, is his own people, the high priest. Like if you think about what the function is of the high priest, the, the, the function of the high priest is to serve God. Mm-hmm. And the people that are supposed to be serving God are the one that crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this isn't about being anti-Semitic. It's not about, this is about rejecting the Messiah. And anyone who rejects the Messiah, like even Judas, you see how we speak about Judas. Like this is a warning for all of us um, to to be believers. Do you worry that uh, our own church now is maybe not heeding those warnings and acting like the Jews, becoming too ritualistic, devoid of the spirit. Um, And I bring this up because it's kind of, it's festival season. I don't know if you guys have a lot of festivals around this time of year, like church carnivals, festivals. Yes. But but we do here in in SoCal. And uh, I, I always wonder like if Christ would just come here and like just, turn over all the tables and be like, you know, you, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but you know, it's like, it, it kind of becomes, I think you've made my house. Very, yeah. Like very fundraising centric. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if when these kind of festivals started historically, um, but uh, I don't know. It feels like the purpose of them is a little bit been lost. Um, but that, and that's just one example that comes to mind. But do you see things happening in the church where you're like, all right, we're, we're kind of uh, losing our way a little bit? Or So I think um, I don't believe the church is losing its way. I feel mm-hmm. the church is full. In every church, there's so many saints. In every place, so many saints. And people that love the Lord Jesus. And, and so... I do think you know, maybe some people have have lost the way, you know, and there might be pockets here and there. I mean, we're not perfect by any means, mm-hmm. but I would say in general, there's so many people repenting of their sins, so many people who want to live like uh, better and live close to the Lord. And so I definitely feel that the, the mission of the church is, is alive, if not more than ever. Um, 
that, so that is kind of answers the first part of the question. With regards to the second part of about like the festivals and, and such, I feel it really depends on the mission of the festival. And a lot of things like in this country, like for example, started off with very pure intentions, like Christian hospitals, Christian schools, um, were all started by missionaries with pure intentions to to heal and like to, to, to be shelter for the sick, to provide education for, you know, uh, the underprivileged. And, and many of those organizations that started off so like with such pure intentions now, I would say like if you look at many Christian hospitals, like it's just maybe a crucifix on the wall. And aside from that, that's pretty much it, right? And it functions as any other secular hospital. Um, so I think the we need to be very keen about like intentions. And as long as we keep our intentions, I think that's what's most important. So to have a festival, it's not about having the festival or not. It's about the intention of the festival. And yeah, it is a great fundraising opportunity, but at least from what I've experienced from our festival here, like to be very blunt, like the, 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 the fundraising is good, but it's not great. But what is great is that in the event, we literally had thousands of people come into the church and attend like an introduction into the Coptic church. We had like in the preparation of the festival, we had a, a team of youth that was probably like 50 or 60 that would meet weekly in preparation of how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So I see the fruit of the, the festival and not by the fundraising, by the amount of people that we got in to see the church, to take brochures about the Coptic church, to hear a presentation, to see our youth working together and all the teamwork and all the tons rolling mahshi together and spending time like, and they're having like such a ball, man. Like I walked into the basement one time and to see everybody working together, cooking chicken. And I was like, it's amazing. <laughs> like, it, like yeah. and you had different people from different shidlas and different, and everybody's working together. Like, so I felt like the teamwork, the camaraderie, the family, like all of it made it worthwhile. So as long as that mission stays there, I like, I love our festival. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think it's such a like, and very important for the church um, and, and the community. And actually the community really loves the festival. They love coming out to see the church. Many of the people said, we drive by your church all the time. And we've wanted to stop by, but this gave us like an opportunity to stop by. And so. That's um, great. Uh, yeah. Real estate's kind of limited in Chicago. Where do you guys host it? Do you guys like have a big space in your. Oh, we have, we have big space. You come visit us. We have a big oh, parking yeah. lot. And... Let me know when the festival is. Yeah. July 15th. <laughs> Shout out. To... When is it? July 15th. Oh, you're going to have people from all over the country now, Buna. This is, this is international. <laughs> Um, Let's go. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, okay. So what I really wanted to talk to you about today is since we're in the Chemesine, we're in the Holy Fifties, um, how to feel the joy of the resurrection. Um, obviously, there's like the superficial joy that comes from, oh, now we're getting to eat meat and hang out with friends and all of that stuff. But that's, you know, that's, that's, 
that'll go away quickly. Um, how do we really feel that joy? Like, you know, St. John Chrysostom, we all, we all share this part of his Paschal homily. Oh, death, where is your sting? And yada, yada. But how do we really feel that, um, you know, in a world where, uh, you know, we feel lonely, depressed, sad, and all this stuff is happening around us um, and in our own lives? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And actually, I was thinking about that this year in particular. And one of the realizations that hit me this year is that the church during these 50 days wants to emphasize that Christ is alive. Like Easter, resurrection, is about Christ being alive. He's not dead. So when you're saying like, I'm like depressed or I'm alone or... No, Christ is alive. Christ conquered death. He is with us. And even the disciples, when they were scared and locked up in a room, right? He came and through the doors and appeared in their midst. Christ was with them. And so I think the key to the 50 days is to remember that Christ is with us. Christ is always with us. He's not like God is alive. He hears us when we talk to him. He's present with us. We are never alone. So I think that's the key to the 50 days. And that's why the church in its wisdom is like, you can't fast now. How can you fast when the bridegroom is with you? This is a time of joy. It's not just, oh, we're eating meat. No, it's Christ is with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's the premise of why you can eat the meat, you know? The, the, like the joy is not from eating the meat. The joy is because Christ is with me now. So I think if we keep that idea that God is alive, Christ is with me. He's not far away. No, no, no. He's alive. He, he's working in my life. He's present in my life. I think that's how we can experience the joy of the 50 days. So when we talk about like actual experiencing actual joy during the 50 days, it seems like... Uh, it seems like Christ promises us not to have joy. <laughs> like he, he does promise us joy, but he also tells us, you know, you will weep and lament while they rejoice and all of these things. So so how can we weep and lament but also have joy? Does that mean like we actually are not supposed to have joy all the time? Uh, but what if I do want, I do want joy all the time, you know, like I, I kind of struggle with that. Like, are we supposed to be happy all the time because Christ is in our midst? But of he course. tells us we're not going to be happy because we're going to no, have all these he tribulations. Say, you will not be happy. say in the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, we will have tribulations. We will have sorrow. We have all of these things, but mm -hmm. we can have joy in the midst of all the tribulations. We can have joy in suffering. It's a paradox. It's it's like an, an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. But this is, this is the Christian life, is that, that joy can be experienced in the most grueling circumstance. Because I know that Christ is with me. Because I know that Christ has prepared a heavenly place for me. Because I know of the love of Christ that he has for me. And that love of Christ that he has for me 
is greater than any discomfort or any pain or any like misfortune that happens in my life. I think the problem that we have, and, and this is something that like we need to think very deeply about is that unfortunately we are very worldly people. And what do I mean by worldly people is we have attachments to this world. And when those attachments or when we become detached from those things, rather, those things make us sorrowful. But in the first place, we're not supposed to be attached to any things of the world. The world is passing away and all its desires. And so I think when we feel sorrow, when we feel tribulation, I think we should ask ourselves, am I attached to this thing? Like, is that why I'm feeling sorrow about this? I lost a bunch of money. Is that, am I, and I'm sorrowful. Does that mean that I was attached to money? And maybe then I can view this losing my money as, hey, this is a blessing from God to detach me from my money. You know, I had a relationship, it went sour. Maybe I was attached to this person more than I should have been. And I should be attached to you, Lord. And so I think if we think about what we are attached to and we put our focus on the cross, we put our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the way you can experience true joy, irrespective of the world around you. I mean, if you think about like the, the martyrs, how they like, like how one like St. George endured suffering for seven years, seven years of torture and like we say by 70 lawless kings my god how like that's too much but i feel like saint george i'm not saying he was doing it with like a smile like uh you know like uh that like he's getting lashed and he's like ah this feels great no he felt <laughs> yeah. the pain he felt the torture it was grueling but his pain was something something secondary to his love of christ that's for sure like it was secondary. He didn't put his pain above the cross, you know, or above his love of Christ. So he endured all of those things and his focus on 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 the cross. And so he was able to endure all of these things. So I think we can endure and and we and we can do it with joy. Like you know, I I always love the example of like Saint Anthony and St. Paul, and all the hermits. Like, our church is a church of monasticism. These are people that left all of their attachments to follow the Lord. And then we, like, in the world, we get sorrowful, or we get sad when we lose something, or something. Like, these people lost everything. Like, they don't have anything. And so I think, like, that kind of puts things, like, in the world, we need to put things in, in, in better perspective, you know? Where is Christ in our life? How important is Christ to our life, you know? And what are we attached to? I heard a sermon recently where the speaker said, if you're not experiencing the joy of the resurrection, then likely there's a sin in your life or sins in your life that's creating a barrier between you and Christ. Um, so I think 
I don't know if that's the same as an attachment to a worldly thing, but do you think that also is what robs us uh, of joy? Oh, definitely. The devil is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, devil is the source of, like, of, of misery and, and wants to keep us from experiencing the true love and, and, and joy that's in Christ. And he tries to steal this joy by all the enticements of sin, all the enticements of, by any other means to, 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 to detach us from Christ and to attach us to the things of this world. So, so what is it, what is it like we're experiencing when we get pleasure, joy, whatever from like money or a sin or whatever? Um, like, is that not, that's not the same joy that we, we would get from Christ? I was thinking about this idea recently is that all the pleasure in the world is like, is like salt water, mm -hmm. salt water, because you drink salt water and it, it'll quench your thirst, but it'll leave you more and more thirsty. And I feel that the materialism, the consumerism, all the attachments of the world, yeah, they quench our thirst. But actually, they leave us more and more thirsty. And we really need the living water. We need the Holy Spirit in our life to really quench our thirst. Um, the things of this world, they're, they're, they're so appealing. But, and I'm sure everyone who has experienced this, they get a new pair of shoes, they get a new car, they get a new... It's cool for like the first week and then the <laughs> shoes get scuffed, a new car comes out, you know, like, and then you want something better. You want the next best thing. It just keeps you hooked in, in, in a cycle of, oh, I just need the next iPhone. I need the next, like, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't satisfy in the same way that the holy spirit can what why how come in the spiritual life it seems that we don't get that same uh satisfaction and that kind of pushes us forward to seek it again like for example if i did get a new pair of shoes and it felt great whatever it got scuffed and now i want another one because it felt great the first time whereas i don't see the same pattern maybe in my life with prayer for example or uh reading the bible things like that although i know it's the living water but i might not desire it as much and work hard towards it um why, why doesn't god just like all right, every time i read the bible it's like uh, it's ecstasy and like i can hear his voice and it feels great why, why does he make it why does he make it difficult it feels like that's a great question <laughs> if you can answer I it, Woody, you're gonna say, it save us all. No, I, I like. I mean, that would be amazing. Is every time you open the Bible, like mm -hmm. we saw visions and we saw. <laughs> I think 
this is a principle of life and I think is also applicable to, to spirituality is that nothing useful or good in life comes easy. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Like anything useful or good, nothing comes easy. It takes like, it takes persistence. It takes perseverance. It takes, um, it takes time. Spiritual life takes time, you know, and and that's true. That's even true in the secular world. That's why I'm saying it's not even true. It's true of like your podcast. It's true of you, you like you don't make one podcast, one podcast and become like, I don't know. You're not Piers Morgan or is that a bad example <laughs> or like, you know, you're not Barbara Walters. I don't I'm so old, man. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe Joe Rogan. Let's let's Joe Rogan. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, you're gonna have to work at it and like yeah. and and I feel this is the the way of life. And and I feel God it's not ecstasy, but he drops like you know, visitations of grace, if you will. I think uh uh, Theophan the Recluse, Saint Theophan the Recluse, has that expression. I, I remember reading it and I loved it. He called it visitation of grace. And you know, some people get like visitation of grace, they get like, like apparitions, they get like mm -hmm. Saint Paul, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, visitation of grace, you know. And the Lord, he, he gives visitation of grace in many different circumstances and many different times according to his wisdom, you know. And, yeah. But I think he always is giving us a visitation of grace in different ways and different and by different means. It's just if we are attuned to those, to that grace. Yeah. What's like, what's one practical thing, you know, you have like a lot of experience taking confessions and, and serving with people that you've seen people do in their life that has allowed them to taste the the beauty of Christ and 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 kind of feel like he's in their presence i, I would say two things to that mm -hmm. maybe three things <laughs> so let's see if i can remember that one is personal retreat like personal retreat i think is so like important and you can have personal retreat as a group but like time to be by yourself reading the word of god praying by yourself i think is like absolutely like essential like we need that in our life especially because our schedules are so busy and you know we mm -hmm. need time to just like detach and to spend time by ourselves with the word of god in prayer at a monastery by yourself on a walk we need that time to just sit mm -hmm. and, and reflect to reflect about ourselves think about what am i doing why am i doing this how's my life reflect about my interactions reflect on my relationships we need time to just without noise without bustle without like just to like like just to sit in in peace and serenity like i think is so important i think the second thing um would be like um mission 
uh, a lot of people, they go on these mission trips, they go to Africa, they go to Egypt, they go to Misharif, you know, they go to like places and they see things that they haven't been exposed to. They see healings, they see exorcism, they see a holy person, they see, they see something there that opens their mind. So like I encourage like 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 going on mission or going on service I think is very beneficial to to the spiritual life. And the last one I would say is like service, which is sort of like mission, but I think when we think of service, we think about it like in our local parish, or at least that's the way I'm thinking about it is, is that mm -hmm. I feel like you can really experience like God through service. And that's by any service, like in the church, if it's Sunday school by preparing lessons, like when you prepare a lesson, I always feel like, like the lesson is for you first and foremost, then for everybody else. So when you're preparing your like Sunday school lesson, like you should say, what is God teaching me on this lesson? And whatever is God is teaching me, I'm going to share it with you. And so this is a great way to experience God. It's a great way to experience God by like serving others, helping them in their studies, helping them in 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 whatever matter of like of life that they they need help in. That's what mm -hmm. we're here for. Like here to share. Life is about sharing. So I feel like those three ways are great ways to experience like God. And and the problem is that if you think about it, like many people are like don't have these three things in their life you know don't have personal retreat don't like never been on mission don't aren't thinking about mission it's not like not on their mind and same with service like we just become like church attendees we just go to church we take communion we go and so i feel like this is like keeping us very like shallow in our spirituality yeah. Do you think like the other spiritual practices that are kind of more Sunday school answered that you didn't give, like read the Bible, pray fast, those fuel the three things you're talking about, the desire oh, to definitely. serve or, to, or vice versa? Like how, what's the relationship between the things you talked about and like going to liturgy, going to Tisbaha, all that kind of stuff? Well, I think Does, all of those are the basis for like quiet time. Mm -hmm. Well, quiet time, you're going to have quiet time just mm, any like no you're like <laughs> you're gonna have quiet time with the bible with prayer with the egbeya you're gonna have like you know like you're going to a monastery you're gonna be praying liturgies you know right mm -hmm. so like this is the basis and you're doing a sunday school lesson on like one of the beautiful mm -hmm. things i was thinking about in the church is that every like if you notice every meeting that we do every youth meeting every sunday school lesson Every even liturgical practice so heavy on the word of God. It's so like, like everything is the basis for it is the scripture. Like, have you ever been to a youth meeting and then you discuss something outside of scripture? It's my fash. Like mm -hmm. every meeting you go to is scripture. So scripture, prayer, all of this stuff is like the basic foundation for all of the other three things that I mentioned. When you yeah. go to go on mission, what are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about scripture. Right. You're going to be doing liturgy. You're going to be praying for the people that you talk to. You're going to be praying for the people 
that are sick. You're going to be praying for, you know. So I feel like those, like, as you called them, the classic, like, Sunday school answers, I feel like that's, like, the bedrock for everything. And these mm -hmm. are three, like, practical, you asked me, I think, like, yeah, you know, okay, ways to experience God. Abuna, I solicited uh, some questions from people who knew you were going to uh, be coming on today. Yeah, sure. Can we do those rapid fire? I, I promised them I would I would ask you these questions. Yeah. Some of them are like probably going to require 15 minute answers, but uh, may the Holy Spirit guide you, I guess. Um, I'm just going to read them verbatim just so I keep it how they how they asked. Sure. Um, how do I stay consistent in faithful activity? I think, I mean, that's to me is like the core of like our faith is it requires consistency. So how can you be more consistent? I don't know. Be more consistent. Like, uh, like I think, uh, like setting times like the world works on time like you go to you, you go to work every day at the same time you eat dinner every day at the same time you go to like all your meetings like are at the same time the world works on systems like that you know yeah. have a system for yourself have a spiritual rule for yourself that's why the church gives us like spiritual rules and your mm -hmm. father's confession gives you a spiritual rule i wake up in the morning I pray, I do this, I read the Bible at this time, I do this at this time. The church works by systems, works by seasons. Everything has its order. So I think use that in your, your life. Set reminders on your phone. This is prayer time. This is time I need to go. This is time I need to have. So I think like there's a lot of, of ways to, to, to be mm -hmm. consistent. At the end of the day, it's about the will. Like, do you want to be consistent? Start off small, every day grow a little bit. But the important thing is showing up to everything. Like, show up, just show up, even for mm -hmm. a short time. Show up, show up, show up. And I think that will yield lots of fruit. I, I mean, maybe one thing on that before yeah. we go to the next question mm -hmm. is uh, I read uh, this very nice book. It was called um, Atomic Habits. It's a secular book. But one of the things that they were saying in that book is that if you could just be 1% better each and every day, like, and I, I, I love this concept, 1% better each and every day, just 1%, even half a percent, yeah, like just have to get just one <laughs> little bit. If you could be 1% better each and every day over the course of one year, you will be 40 times, 45 times like 1.01 .01 raised to the 365 mm -hmm. is like 45. 1.01 .01 raised to the 365 is 45 or something. Fact check me. Something like, like that. 0.99 raised to the 365 is practically zero. So they, they differ from each other by three orders of magnitude. So if you could just each and every day make it a little bit better than the day previous, at the end of the year, you will find yourself a thousand times better than if you did nothing. Mm -hmm. 
you know that's powerful and i saw you gave a you gave a lecture or sermon on this atomic habits uh yes uh, concept it's a very so powerful people can google that um on youtube uh, are there different levels of heaven for different people, or is there only one heaven for all? Well, there's one heaven for all, but there are ranks in heaven as mm -hmm. well, you know? So, like, there's crowns. There's the crown of martyrdom. There's the crown for virginity. There's a crown for monasticism. There's a crown for... There's a crown for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so, not a communist, but I never liked that concept. I don't... Like, something about it bothers me that like some people are like elevated in heaven and I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, something about it. I don't like, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like something about it bothers me like that. There, it sounds like favoritism or something. And what does that even mean to be like higher rank? Like you'd experience Christ better. Like what is it? What's, what's the difference? Um, so there's, there's an interesting story about that in the Orthodox afterlife, and maybe I'll just leave it at, at, okay. at that because, uh, it is kind of like, I'm with you. It is kind of confusing. Like, do they just, they get a better seat? Like, <laughs> yeah. like what it like, yeah. um, and, and in Orthodox afterlife, there's a few accounts that kind of address that. Okay. Um, I will say that even though despite having like different ranks, there is no like jealousy or there is no envy. Like the way that we're describing it mm -hmm. is like, oh, because someone's higher than me. Oh man, I wish I could have his seat. But that's like envy. And there is no envy in heaven because okay. everyone is going to be so satisfied and so happy being in the presence of the Lord. Okay. So um, I think that's that's most important for us is that in heaven, we will be satisfied. And and the important thing is to get to heaven. Okay. <laughs> um, what's it like serving in a region with no diocese or bishop? Um, I would say it's the same as serving in a diocese with the bishop. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of advantages um that being uh, like a bishop and having a diocese offers mm -hmm. but at the end of the day the functions of the church are the same you know and 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 we do the same things and we do the same practices so i i i think a lot of people have this impression that like i don't know that um that uh, we don't function or or something but we we're we're, we're well, how do you well. ordain a new how do you ordain a new priest in in your region then does it like visiting bishops come or what, what? yeah um visiting uh no they we usually we because we're under the pope so we go to the pope oh you guys go to egypt to the yeah, pope. Yeah. oh that's yeah. it. that's interesting okay um can you uh, tease whether that's going to change anytime soon in your region? Uh, that's uh, not for me to say. Okay. Um, this one is this is a personal question that someone wanted you to uh, chime in on. They have a they have a family member by marriage. 
um, who passed away. They're of a different denomination. Um, I believe it was, uh, well, I won't say, but it's a different Christian denomination, not Orthodox. And that person passed away. And uh, this person who's in our church wanted to put their name on the altar to be read during the Lania of the Departed. And it seems that it's constantly passed over. Um, what is, what's the church kind of protocol on that? Um, is that outlined? Can we pray for those who are not part of our church um, during the liturgy? I think uh, maybe two things on that is I think we 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 can pray for the salvation of of the whole world. I do think um, I do think that the liturgy mentions Orthodox Christians, like the Orthodox Christians in every place. And so I think that in the liturgy, it should be like limited to Orthodox Christians. Um, in the in that specific litany, it says that? Like um, the litany of the departed? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about uh, like um, who were opposed in the faith, you know? Mm. So like in in terms of the litany of the departed i do feel it is for the orthodox faithful um praying for those outside of the faithful like depends are they christian not christian like are they like well I yeah think, it's a christian family member but they're not they're not Coptic or they're orthodox. not orthodox they're not orthodox yeah yeah i would say um yeah, and the liturgy, I, I, I think the liturgy is, is reserved for Orthodox faithful. But you can mention them in your like personal prayers and you can mention them and mm -hmm. why why is it reserved for Orthodox faithful? I mean like if we pray for like our rulers and stuff on the altar, why is why is the lineage of the departed like I, I, I guess I don't get it. So actually, the even the rulers, I think it's like the the Orthodox, uh, like it always mentions the Orthodox kings. But we, you're right, we do pray. You for know, they're praying for Trump on the altar, man. Come on. But we we do pray <laughs> for. No, you're right, though. We do yeah. pray for. We do pray for our leaders. I think uh, leaders may be a little different because even like in the Book of Romans, leaders are described as appointed by God. So, like leaders, even the like evil rulers like saint paul will say those are the ones appointed by god and so when we pray for the leaders we're praying for their like because they were appointed by god and they are supposed to be serving the people so we're praying mm -hmm. for the leaders so maybe a little subtle difference between why we can pray for any leader but we won't pray for like okay. um that's a good question Okay. Maybe uh, else. I don't think they're going to be satisfied by this response. So maybe they could, maybe I can put them in such yeah, a Yeah, I think right maybe way. they should ask uh, uh, someone else. No, no, no. I just think, I just think you probably need to, uh, 
elaborate and it's going to take too much time can i ask a couple more i know you're kind of yeah uh, yeah please all right uh sorry i'm not respecting your time but no, no. um uh, this person's asking if there are any current saints and obviously we know there are current saints but what this person meant by this is like visiting someone who's like legitimately holy like we you know we commonly do like uh uh what's that guy's name F uh, fanus or something um <laughs> with whose hands would light up yeah. yeah bona fanus um like because uh, this person generally just wants to be in contact or with the holy person and get their blessing um are there people like that still in our church that we know about and people maybe go to visit yeah there's definitely lots of like very holy monks still yeah. around in many different in, in every monastery there's yeah there's like hermits and monks um i think um I do think that even as I mentioned earlier, there's holy people in every church too. And I would challenge you to find those people, those people that are doing all the services behind the scenes and no one even knows, you know, the people that are very sacrificial, the people like I've seen so many people like that are very, very dedicated in their like prayer yeah. life. And you would never even like, you would never even like assume or you would never even get like these are just normal people but they are the most dedicated to their prayer most dedicated to their in their scripture most dedicated to these are like really really there's holy people well let me put it this way if someone has a really sick child that they want really like medicine doctors are not helping them they want to take them to someone like whole i think this is basically kind of what they're getting at that type of person that's known and accepts visitors and uh do you know of anyone like that doesn't yeah i think there's America, like but, you want me to yeah. name drop like a few monks yeah or? yeah i mean yeah name drop it um i don't know if he's still alive but like mm -hmm. i like i met i met one at Ambab Shoy. i don't i don't feel comfortable to name drop but i mean they're <laughs> all in egypt like so they okay. want like if someone wants to go they're gonna have to go to egypt like yeah. and but there's okay. like i met one in Ambab Shoy. he was uh like uh he was um in, in solitude he wouldn't speak to anyone mm -hmm. and like he he like he seemed like i've like I testified that this man was, and he did something with like, with me as well that I won't say. Uh, and so I really like him. I don't even know if he's still living though, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I would say to this idea of, I want this one holy monk that's going to do this miracle for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would like remind you of the story of the Mokatta mountain, like who moved the Mokatta mountain. Mm. It wasn't like a holy monk or it wasn't the patriarch. It was the, the simple cobbler. Right. That no one knew about. No one, and he's the one that moved the mountain that saved the Coptic church. And mm -hmm. so, like, I love the priests. I love the monks. I love the, like, but, like, the prayer of the faithful man availeth much. And you don't need to be dressed in black to do to pray for someone to heal them. Right. And so 
your prayers, like faithful prayers from the heart, are just as effective as like as as the hermit's prayers. I mean, there was like uh, the story of like Saint Anthony, where they were asking Saint Anthony to pray for him. He said, "I will not pray for you unless you like pray for yourself." You know, right? Or he said, "God will not have mercy on you," or something like to that effect. Yeah, neither will I pray for you. Yeah. yeah. So, like, mm -hmm. your prayers, like, are effective as well. So, great right. to take their blessing. Great for them to pray to for you. I'm not, like, doubt it. Like, yeah. we all know the many miracles that these saintly men have done. But, like, yeah. maybe expand the scope and, and see that God is not limited to just yeah. those people. And I think it ties into what we've you've kind of been saying all along is that our faith is not about holy places or uh, holy things or even holy people. Our God is alive and He's everywhere and, and yeah. can work. Everywhere. I mean, it is about the holy people. We're all supposed to be holy people, mm -hmm. but uh, okay. yeah, not limited to place or certain people or cer certain mm -hmm. people. Maybe is the right. or or clerical yeah. ranks or to you know. Okay, last one. This is a little bit loaded, but it's a common question, and someone asked. Um, we know God has a plan for us, but how can we be sure that we're following in the path he designed for us? Or how can we even know his will, even in specific situations? I feel the God's will question is always like, you know, I come to a fork in the road and I want to choose which way to go. But I always like to think of like God's will as like, it's not about the major forks, but is about like day to day doing God's will. Like, am I doing God's will in like, like before I lead to that fork in the road, you know? And then if I'm doing God's will each and every day, hey man, like God's gonna guide you to the fork in the road and he's gonna he'll guide that decision. I think the problem is is like, all right, I've reached this fork in the road. I I don't like I've been away from maybe God. I'm not hearing God's voice. Now I don't know like where to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I think like taking one step back is like we shouldn't be in that position or we can avoid being in that situation rather. We could be avoid being in that situation is each and every day if we're asking ourselves, if am I doing the will of God? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that is the focus of Christian life. Like to me, that is like, that question is like backwards because each and every day we're praying, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done. And then, and then we're, we come to sometimes we say, oh, well, what's the will of God? Well, you've been praying for it each and every day, you know, so you should be doing the will of God each and every day. I think when we come to the fork in the road, I think like the best thing we can do is pray and like read in like scripture seek counsel from you know like our father of confession and then like god will guide you on on which route to take and and have no fear and know that any path that you take 
if God is with you, it'll be okay. Like if God, even if it's like, like the most catastrophic decision, like, and you made the wrong one, if God is with you, he can turn it to be a great one. So really, as long as God is with you, no worries. Because like, what could go wrong? Like, mm -hmm. if God is with us, who can be against us, mm -hmm. you know? Amen. Uh, all right, Abuna. You guys got a, a, a big uh, release coming soon, this production that's going to rival Hollywood, put Hollywood out of business. <laughs> I hear, I hear uh, you got a short film dropping. Can you, can you plug that? Tell us a little bit about it and uh, where can people find that? Um, so this has been like a long, 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 long time coming. We've had like a media team and drama team and and we've been working on like this production for I want to say like several years. And finally, like um, a group came together and uh, worked very diligently to release uh, this this very short film that will be dropping uh, this weekend. To be honest, I haven't even seen the trailer because they've been keeping it pretty tight. But yeah. the the theme of this uh, this short film is supposed to be inspired by Saint Mary of Egypt. So I'm excited for it to drop. I don't know, to be honest, much of the details. They've left me in suspense. So, mm -hmm. um, but. I'm sure it's going to be fire. Yeah, it's called know. it's called Glorious Rest, and it's coming out soon. I think May twelfth. Yeah, uh, ho hopefully week, I can yeah, drop this year. podcast uh, before then. I'm kind of slow with the editing stuff, but yeah. um, it's a Saint Mary Media Team original film. I saw the trailer; it looked actually really good. I don't know who the actress is, but so Monica uh, is yeah. on the cover. She looks yeah, great. Looks um, really good. So I I didn't see the trailer yet. I asked to see the trailer. I didn't get it to see it yet. So <laughs> really, is it on uh, social media? Is that yeah? Uh, it's, it's on social media, but it's like yes, very short. Um, social media. So. Is our is a uh, Danny behind this production? Yeah, Danny's behind. Oh, it's behind oh. the it's behind the scenes right. on everything. Um, yeah. God bless his service. Yeah. And God bless your service, Abuna. Pray for me and. Uh, God bless. You're, God bless. you're coming Thank to LA you. soon, I hear. So, yeah. Anybody we'll who's you, listening yeah. local, if you're if you're in LA, Abuna's going to be coming uh, on yeah. a little mission trip uh, to serve uh, at Christ the Good Shepherd. I think to acting with Abuna Lazarus. So that should be fun. Yeah, it should be a good time. Okay, Abuna. Thanks so much again. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you. Take care. Peace.